We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 229 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, January 14th, 2022, the last day before a three-day weekend for some, but not all, with Monday being Martin Luther King Jr. Day, although with the snow that could be coming on Sunday, maybe most people will have a three-day weekend anyway. This will be a good weekend on which to have a three-day weekend, as it is Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Not Wild Card Weekend, Super Wild Card Weekend. Get that right. Uh, this is one of the great sports weekends of the year. Two NFL Super Wild Card Games on Saturday. Three NFL Super Wild Card Games on Sunday, and then a game on Monday night. My wife is from Pittsburgh. She's a huge Steelers fan. Her dad had season tickets for years. She will be yelling and screaming at the television on Sunday night. Now, the Steelers are probably going to get smashed at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Steelers per win bet as of very early Friday morning are 12 and a half point underdogs. 12 and a half point dogs in a playoff game. Uh, The game that I'm most interested in as a Washington football team fan is the middle game on Sunday. The San Francisco 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys at 430. Yes, because I'll be rooting like crazy against the Cowboys. And yes, because the Niners have a bunch of former Washington people, including the head coach Kyle Shanahan and the left tackle Trent Williams. But the biggest reason that I'm interested in Niners-Cowboys is Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he at all worthy of consideration for our team, the Washington football team, and its quest for the franchise quarterback, the never-ending search for the franchise quarterback? Now, my lean on Jimmy G is a no. Uh, He has been injured a good bit. I think it's really telling that the Niners are moving on from him eventually with Trey Lance, but Jimmy G has had a pretty good season And if he's available this offseason, he's worth at least looking at. So we'll get a look-see at him on the big stage come Sunday afternoon. I'm also very interested in the first game of the Super Wildcard Weekend. 
The Las Vegas Raiders at the Cincinnati Bengals Saturday afternoon at 4.30, primarily because of Derek Carr. Now, I don't see the Raiders parting with Carr this offseason. This stuff about Carr being an option for Washington. Look, I would love for that to be the case because I like Derek Carr. I think that he's underrated, but I don't see the Raiders parting with him. However, on the off chance that they do, we as Washington fans will get a good look at him come Saturday afternoon. Uh, That game, Raiders at the Bengals, has 45-42 written all over it. Hello and welcome to a Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, a Washington, D.C. sports podcast that is like no other. New episode each weekday morning, Monday through Friday, out in the 5 a.m. hour. Spread the word. Let people know you have options when it comes to D.C. sports talk. This podcast is a go-to option. And this installment of the pod is a good one because I have a special guest to talk Washington football team with me, Kevin Sheehan, my buddy, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. It's always fun talking with Kevin. We're going to cover a lot of ground with our football team, including, yes, the search for a franchise quarterback. What went wrong for Washington's defense this season? Why the new name is being announced on the Today Show and a lot more. Kevin Sheehan is coming up in just a bit. But before that, I have something for you next segment on the Washington football team, and that something has to do with the disappointing defense. There's something about the defense that hasn't gotten a lot of attention that needs to get more attention. A clear pattern of players being miscast, of being misused in the 2021 regular season. Now, this isn't as simple as Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio are bad. Uh, No, that's not what I'm trying to do. But this is something that needs to be explored. How and why were so many Washington defensive players miscast in the 2021 regular season? I'm going to talk about that next segment. Also on the show, I'll talk Georgetown. Uh, The Hoyas got ripped by Butler, 72-58 at Capital One Arena on Thursday night. This Georgetown season is not going well, and the Hoyas on Thursday night were missing a number of key people, including their head coach, Patrick Ewing. Well, speaking of college basketball coaches, so on Thursday's show, episode 228, I made mention of Maryland on Wednesday night, having announced that assistant coach Bruce Shingler had been suspended For undisclosed reasons, well, we now know the reasons. We, on Thursday, had multiple reports via court documents that Shingler was arrested on October 14th for allegedly soliciting a prostitute. Isn't that nice? Uh, Bruce Shingler allegedly responded to an advertisement posted by an undercover law enforcement officer on the Women Seeking Men page of a website He and the officer exchanged texts, agreeing to meet at a hotel in Largo, Maryland. Once at the hotel, police said Shingler agreed to pay $80 for sex before an arresting unit was alerted. So yeah, we in December had the out-of-nowhere resignation of head coach Mark Turgeon. We in January now have the suspension of a Turgeon assistant for allegedly soliciting a prostitute, and the Terrapins are just one and four in the Big Ten. Not exactly a banner season for Maryland basketball so far. Uh, In much happier news, congratulations to the Great Eight. Congrats to the Capitals, Alex Ovechkin. He on Thursday was named a captain of the Metropolitan Division 
for the 2022 NHL All-Star Game after topping his division in the 2022 NHL All-Star Fan Vote. This marks Ovechkin's franchise record 12th All-Star Game Selection. Ovechkin, as you likely know, as we talk about on the podcast all the time, is having another terrific season. What is his age? 36 season, 24 goals, 28 assists over just 37 games. The guy has 52 points over 37 games. You know, this is not some ceremonial all-star selection for Ovechkin. This is very much a deserved all-star selection. So great to see that Alex Ovechkin named captain of the Metropolitan Division for the 2022 NHL All-Star Game. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com, including if you would like to be an advertiser on the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to reach thousands of people every weekday to grow your business or practice, you get more bang for your buck advertising on podcasts than you do in any other medium. Hit us up. Let us know. The Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I have been getting a lot of feedback, and I mean a lot of feedback, on the new name for the team currently known as the Washington football team as we approach the announcement of the new name on February 2nd. As we approach 2.2.22, email from Philip C. While there is fairly widespread speculation that the new name will be Commanders, I have yet to hear anyone suggest it could be District Commanders. I think this is more suitable and solves your problem of having a shorthanded slang for a team name a la Caps, Nats, or O's. Washington will go by the DCs, the Washington DCs. I'm surprised I haven't heard anyone talk about this possibility. Well, interesting idea, Philip. I had not considered that. Instead of Washington commanders, the district commanders, although that seemingly would remove the possibility of the W on the helmet, and the expectation continues to be that W will be on the helmet. We'll see. Also, technically speaking, DCs still would be a two-syllable nickname. DCs, two syllables. The Galdi rule is that the shorthanded nickname must be one syllable, a la skins, nats, caps, whiz, terps, o's, etc. Email from Rich. I understand you want a one-syllable nickname for the team. However, you might want to consider a short two-syllable nickname for the commanders. How about W-A-C-O, pronounced Waka? If you pronounce the O like an uh, you can get a sound that is perfect for our team. You may be too young to have watched The Muppets, but when Fozzie the Bear would tell a bad joke, and for various other reasons, he would say, waka, waka, waka. It's the kind of feeling you get every year after a Washington football season. The waka. I do remember The Muppets, Rich. Uh, The Muppets movie. The song, Moving Right Along. A great song. In fact, my four-year-old son is a fan of that song. And actually, with the Fozzie Waka Waka Waka, now that I think about it, you could play that at FedEx Field after every Washington first down. Instead of that video game sound that has been being used, just play a Waka Waka Waka. Like, first and ten, Antonio Gibson. Ten-yard run. Waka, waka, waka. Yeah, there you go. Third and six, Terry McLaurin, 12-yard reception. Waka, waka, waka. 
You see? Doesn't that seem perfect? <laughs> Email from Kareem. Quick thought on what the new name should be. How about the Washington Cicadas? To get the crowd all riled up, the team could play a loud version of the Cicada Hum to drive the other team crazy. Thanks and love your podcast. Well, thank you, Kareem. I like your thinking, Kareem. Maybe Washington could have actual cicadas at FedEx Field and count the cicadas toward the attendance. Email from Luke. I think it is very likely that the new name that Washington is going to choose is Hogs or Red Hogs, and I'm surprised not more people are talking about it. The new name is coming out on February 2nd, which is Groundhog Day. Also, in making the brand episode four, Jason Wright talks about wanting to keep the Redskins legacy. And what better way to do that than by naming the team after the greatest Washington and NFL offensive line in history. The Hogs also is the name that I want Washington to choose. So hashtag HTTH or hashtag HTTRH. Thank you for the email, Luke. I've said this. I'm not a huge fan of Hogs as the name, mainly because it reeks too much of clinging to the past and, you know, trying to recreate the past. The Hogs is something from the 1980s and early 1990s. That is ancient history at this point. We as a franchise and a fan base have got to move on, okay? Remember the past, honor the past, but don't stay stuck in the past. Now, that said, I wouldn't hate Hogs. I mean, like every other Redskins fan, in the 1980s and early 1990s, I loved the Hogs, and Hogs would be a one-syllable team name, so we wouldn't have to worry about the nickname thing. Uh, I will say this too, I much prefer Hogs than Red Hogs. Red Hogs doesn't mean anything to the Washington, D.C. area. Hogs at least does. Though again, I'm not a big fan of trying to relive the past. Stop focusing on the glory days and create new glory days. But there are some cool things that you could do with hogs from a logo standpoint and a merchandising standpoint. So I feel like I could learn to live and maybe even like hogs. You know, a lot of this is just getting used to whatever the name ends up being. Well, the head hog, as many of you know, is George Stark. The head of the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland is George Verghese. See what I did there? Uh, And if you ever have any questions or concerns about your skin health, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists, and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. The institute focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer treatments for conditions such as acne, psoriasis, and eczema. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer state-of-the-art services such as Botox, laser hair removal, and chemical peels. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer advanced treatments for many skin cancers. Heck, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. Make sure you tell them that Al Galdi sent you. That phone number again, 301-396-3401, or visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. 
Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. All right, before we welcome on our special guest, Kevin Sheehan, to talk Washington football team, I want to hit on something regarding the Washington football team with you. So Pro Football Focus on Thursday came out with an article ranking the top 25 rookies from the NFL's 2021 regular season. The article was by Pro Football Focus senior college analyst Anthony Treesh, whom I've had on the podcast. The number one rookie from the NFL's 2021 regular season was Dallas Cowboys linebacker slash edge defender slash Mr. Everything, Micah Parsons, uh, wrote Treesh about Parsons. Quote, Parsons is in the midst of one of the most impressive seasons we've ever seen, not just from a rookie, but from any defensive player. The Penn State product seamlessly transitioned from the edge to off-ball linebacker countless times this season and has been dangerous at either role. The 12th overall pick recorded a 93.0 pass rush grade, 22.4% pressure rate, and a 24.8% pass rush win rate this season, all of which are among the five best in the NFL regardless of position. In coverage, he allowed 0.69 yards per snap, and earned a 69.4 coverage grade, both of which rank 11th or higher among linebackers, end quote. And of course, you didn't need a bunch of stats to tell you that Micah Parsons has been outstanding. He wrecked, and I mean wrecked, Washington's offense in Washington's first loss to the Cowboys this season, the 27-20 loss at FedEx Field at Week 14. But nowhere on Pro Football Focus's list of the Top 25 rookies from the NFL's 2021 regular season was Washington linebacker Jamin Davis. Uh, that's not surprising, but that is telling. And the ranking got me to thinking about Jamin Davis and his disappointing rookie season. Washington took Jamin Davis with the number 19 pick in the 2021 NFL draft out of Kentucky. Jamin Davis played in 16 of Washington's 17 games in the 2021 regular season, and yet he, for the season, played on just 52.5% of Washington's defensive snaps. Uh, He made very few impact plays. He registered an overall grade per PFF of just 43.3. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. There's also this. It turns out he's not a middle linebacker. He's not what's called a Mike linebacker, which is essentially the quarterback of the defense. Uh, Jamin Davis was drafted to be a Mike linebacker. Jamin Davis played a decent amount at Mike linebacker in the 2021 regular season, but a conclusion that Ron Rivera pretty clearly has reached is that Jamin Davis isn't a Mike linebacker. This was Ron on Tuesday afternoon during his season-ending state of the Washington football team press conference with Martin Mayhew, talking about how Jamin Davis's rookie season impacts the long-term vision for what Jamin can be as an NFL linebacker. Well, I think what it, it, it did for us in terms of that was getting a better feel in our saying for what we think he really can become, and, and that is he can be an edge guy for us. He can, and when I say edge, he can be an outside an inside-outside linebacker, you know, and trying to get it straight with, with the 3-4 and the 4-3. But in a 4-3, he could be an outside linebacker. He can be a guy that can go out in space and run. We see his ability to run and run through contact. Um, he can run with running backs. He can run with tight ends. Um, you know, he, he's, he, he's a run-through contact guy that can, can learn to, to, to get downhill 
and, and take those double teams off and help his D-line up front, that, I think, is, is where he belongs right now. Will, will he become an inside guy, uh, a middle guy? There's a chance still, but I was pretty excited to watch him come in in that situation and not have to you know, worry about trying to control or, or command anything. Uh, that's just another little thing. Um, <laughs> as far as, you know, as, as far as playing the position. And, and, but I'm excited about it. I really am about him and Cole and, and, and potentially, you know, if we, can, if we can find the right inside guy, whether it be David or John or somebody else, to work with those young guys as they develop. All right, so a nice joke by Ron Rivera about commanders potentially slash likely being the Washington football team's new name. But also within that cut was Ron telling us, uh, yeah, Jamin Davis isn't a Mike linebacker. He's an outside linebacker. He's more of what's called a will linebacker, a weak side linebacker, or a Sam linebacker, a strong side linebacker. And that's not the end of the world. You need outside linebackers in terms of 4-3 linebackers, but that's not what Jamin Davis was drafted to be. If you went back in time and told Ron Rivera that he, by the end of Washington's 2021 season, would have decided that Jamin Davis isn't a Mike linebacker, no way would Ron have spent the number 19 overall pick on Jamin. No way. And that's not to say that Jamin Davis can't still become a very good NFL linebacker, because he can. That's not to say that I, as a Washington fan, am not rooting like crazy for Jamin Davis to become a very good NFL linebacker, because I am. But that is to say that that he already is being removed from likely being what he was drafted to be is concerning. And so Jamin Davis ultimately in his rookie season was miscast. And he's far from the only Washington defensive player who was miscast. As we get away from Washington's 2021 season and ponder what went wrong and how we can make what went wrong better, the overall disappointment that was Washington's defense is a big deal. And make no mistake, Washington's defense was a disappointment. Just because the defense was better in the second half of the season as compared to how bad the defense was in the first half of the season doesn't mean that Washington's defense wasn't a disappointment. Washington finished the 2021 regular season just 27th in the NFL in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric, just 28th in the NFL in pass defense per DVOA, just 31st in the NFL, i.e. next to last in third down defense, just 25th in the NFL in fewest points allowed per game, just 27th in the NFL in lowest opponents yards per play just 19th in the NFL in team sack percentage, just 22nd in the NFL in fourth down defense, tied for just 21st in the NFL in takeaways. That's a bad defense, people. Uh, Washington's run defense in the 2021 regular season was good. Washington finished the 2021 regular season eighth in the NFL in run defense per DVOA, but otherwise, most other things were bad. And the why behind the bad matters. Why did Washington's defense end up being such a disappointment? Well, there are a multitude of reasons. We've talked about a lot of them. But one of the bigger ones is guys being miscast. We just discussed Jamin Davis. He, in the 2021 regular season, played Mike Linebacker a good amount. He struggled. He, in Washington's 2016 loss to the 
Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in Week 17 played on just 21% of Washington's defensive snaps, just 13 total defensive snaps. David Mayo in that game played on 66% of Washington's defensive snaps, a total of 40 defensive snaps. Rod Rivera, during his day after the game Zoom press conference on January 3rd, said that things went well with Mayo as the primary Mike linebacker in the game, and that Jamin may well be best suited as an outside linebacker in a 4-3 base defense. And then Ron, on Tuesday, made it pretty clear that Jamin is best suited as an outside linebacker in the 4-3. Landon Collins. People for years have known that he isn't good in pass coverage. That's a big part of why the New York Giants allowed him to leave via unrestricted free agency in the 2019 offseason. Landon in the 2021 regular season was utilized as a traditional safety, thus meaning that he was in pass coverage a decent amount. He struggled mightily off having struggled mightily last season. Washington then moved him to this safety linebacker hybrid role of Buffalo Nickel, and he was much better. William Jackson III, he in his season-ending Zoom press conference on Monday said that he in the 2021 regular season was, quote, doing things that I had never done before, end quote. Now, he was better in the second half of the season, but he struggled big time during Washington's two and six start. Kendall Fuller, he in the 2021 regular season was playing a lot in the slot as opposed to the outside. He underperformed. He then started playing more on the outside and he was much better. Are you noticing a pattern here? Key Washington defensive players in the 2021 regular season were miscast, were doing things that those guys are not good at, or at the very least, did not do well. Now, some of this is understandable. For instance, I don't kill Washington for having Kendall Fuller play in the slot. He has excelled as a slot corner in the past, especially in his 2017 season with Washington, the season prior to him being dealt to the Kansas City Chiefs in the Alex Smith trade. So the idea that Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio having Kendall Fuller play a bunch as a slot corner was nuts is unfair. But spending the number 19 overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft on a guy in Jamin Davis who had one truly big season in college and having him then be your Mike linebacker, it turns out that was a mistake. And that doesn't mean that Jamin can't eventually be a good NFL linebacker but he wasn't this season, and he was entrusted with a role for which he was ill-suited. I get giving him an opportunity in that role, but clearly he was not suited for that role. You know, you think about Landon Collins. Having Landon spend as much time as he did in the 2021 regular season as a traditional safety, when A, he had struggled in pass coverage for years, B, he was coming off a bad season and a torn Achilles, and C, him moving to linebacker had been talked about during the offseason. Mistake. Giving a three-year $40.5 million contract to William Jackson III as an unrestricted free agent for things that he did with the Cincinnati Bengals, and then having him, as Jackson put it, quote, doing things that I had never done before, end quote. Mistake. Look, I like a lot of things about Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio as defensive coaches. Their resumes in terms of coaching defenses are very impressive. Each guy as a coach has been a part of really good defenses with multiple teams. And each guy, of course, was a starting NFL linebacker. Del Rio, in particular, had a really good playing career. So the purpose of this segment isn't to say, hey, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio don't know what they're doing. Or, hey, I know more about defense than Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio know. The purpose of this segment is to get across an actual, tangible reason for Washington's defense being a disappointment 
in the 2021 regular season. Enough of the cliche explanations about, you know, the defense falling prey to expectations. What does that even mean, okay? Enough of the excusing of the defensive struggles to injuries in the COVID-19 outbreak. Injuries in the COVID-19 outbreak had nothing to do with the defense being as bad as it was during Washington's 2-6 and six start. Injuries in the COVID-19 outbreak were factors later in the season, but injuries in the COVID-19 outbreak were not factors in the defensive struggles over Washington's first eight games of the season. It is vital to me that Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, the rest of the defensive coaching staff, and Washington's front office do an honest, objective deep dive on what truly went wrong for Washington's defense in the 2021 regular season and why those things that went wrong went wrong. And I don't expect Ron and Jack to come out and tell us everything that went wrong and why those things went wrong. But I do want Ron and Jack to do serious investigation and reflection on what went wrong and why those things went wrong. And when it comes to this obvious miscasting of players, why did that miscasting take place? Where did Ron and Jack go wrong? And how do we make sure that this doesn't happen again? Washington's defensive players deserve a lot of blame for the defense being a disappointment in the 2021 regular season, but that doesn't mean that the coaches did nothing wrong. Everyone shares blame in this, and to me, it's imperative that especially Ron and Jack, assuming that Jack is being retained as defensive coordinator, arrive at a full and complete understanding of where they themselves went wrong and why. Well, if you want full and complete growth of your business, you got to get with Imageworks. Imageworks is a full-service boutique web design, branding, and marketing company. And Imageworks right now has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Imageworks is located in the DMV but serves the entire country by utilizing a virtual approach with the latest video meeting software to engage, communicate, and share award-winning designs. So what's the offer? Well, Imageworks doesn't want to sell you Imageworks wants to show you what it can do, and that starts with a free review of your website and SEO visibility to establish a base of where you are and map a chart for where you want to be. Imageworks and you will plan with digital web and marketing goals that you can see live via Imageworks customers portal. The portal shows you how all goals are performing in Google Analytics and how all marketing programs and website visitors are behaving. Imageworks is more than a branding and marketing firm. Imageworks is your collaborative partner, your one-stop shop for business growth. So here's what you do. Go to imageworkscreative.com and click on contact near the upper right corner. That's image, one word, works, plural, creative.com, imageworkscreative.com. And make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Also, you can call or text the owner of Imageworks, Scott, at 703-928-7309. That's 703-928-7309. Scott's a great guy, big Washington football team fan, big Nationals fan. He's a regular listener of this podcast, and he loves brainstorming ideas and technology that can help you grow your business. Scott has been doing what he's doing since 1996. Imageworks, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. Up next, our special guest, Kevin Sheehan, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, will go in-depth on the Washington football team, including how likely, truly, 
is Washington getting a franchise quarterback this offseason? Which of the quarterbacks in the 2022 NFL draft is Kevin like for Washington? Should Washington sign Duran Payne to a big money contract extension? And why is Washington announcing its new name on the Today Show? We'll get to all of that and more with Kevin Sheehan after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, time now for our special guest. He is my friend. He is my pal. Someone with whom I always enjoy talking about the Washington football team, Kevin Sheehan, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, to which I know a lot of you listen, also is the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980. Kevin, thanks a lot for coming on, man. How are you? Al Goldie, ladies and gentlemen. It's always fun. I miss you. What's going on? (laughs) I miss you too, man. Good to have you. Back on the podcast here. So we're taping this off you having just taped your last interview with Ron Rivera for the 2021 season. I know he's been coming on the radio show with you every week. And I know these interviews are over the phone and not in person. But in listening to your conversations with him, it's reminded me of when you and Tom Lavero used to interview Jim Zorn. And, and Zorn would say all kinds of stuff before slash after the interviews. Is Ron giving you stuff like Zorn gave you stuff before or after your conversations with him? Or have your interactions with him been the interviews and that's about it? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, there have been a couple of those conversations. Now, Zorn, remember, we, Tommy and I used to do that live with him at the park. And because he was so, like, on the way out that final year, he would just sit in the studio. You remember our studio out there. Yeah. He would just sit in, in the studio and hang out with us for the rest of the show after our hit with him was over. It was weird, you know? And then in between commercials, like, he would ask us questions about things we were talking about. <laughs> and I do remember Tommy and I laugh about it. One of those days, like, I looked at him and I'm like, don't you have anything to 
do? And he just said, oh, no, 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 this is so much fun. And and, and we're, in a, we're in a downtime right now because it was Tuesdays. You know, we would do it with him on the, on the off days. Um, but, uh, but yeah, with Ron, I'm doing it obviously over the phone. I record it with him on Thursday afternoons and it airs Friday morning on the radio show. And there've been a couple of really good conversations we've had afterwards. He, I'll tell you what he, he is like, I think he's, um, I think he's a really good person. I think he's, uh, I think the team and the players have, like a real respect for him. Of course, we kind of knew that when he came from Carolina, the way his former players reacted when he got fired and then when he got hired again by Washington. And, you know, I, I don't know. It feels more like a grown up. I don't know that he's an elite coach. I don't know. But, you know, then again, I don't know that there's a better person available to this organization for right now. But he did say again today, and and anybody that wants to listen to it can listen to it on Friday morning. He did say again, he thinks this third year is a very important year, which I said to him, I think I said, well, you don't have Cam Newton entering his third year like you did in Carolina. And he said, yeah, but it's still the third year. It's a big year. It's interesting how willing he has been to put that out there, and I guess we'll see if he comes to regret putting that out there or not. So this offseason really is something else. I mean, you've been talking about it. I've been talking about it. The obvious screaming need for a franchise quarterback. Ron Rivera has made it pretty clear the team is going to be all in this offseason on trying to get a franchise quarterback. How realistic to you is Washington getting a franchise quarterback this offseason? Well, I mean, the the draft is, you know, a total crapshoot, as we know. Um, but I do think that that's the path that makes the most sense, you know, if they were to go after somebody in the first round, whether it's with their pick at 11 or something, you know, earlier that they trade up for, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, all the talk about the quarterback class, and it's not a strong one. We don't know what it's going to be like by the time we get through senior bowl and everything else and we get to um you know uh april the end of april but that's the you know that's the one area in which they can guarantee themselves a quarterback that you know is part of their future plans the other avenues free agency and or trade i mean those are more problematic and more complex now i think they, you know, they told you all they needed to tell you last year about what they had when they went after Matt Stafford and when they expressed interest and turned over every leaf on every possible quarterback, veteran quarterback that was out there before they settled on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, and I think they're going to do the same thing again this year. I think they should do that. I think they should aim high, swing big. And even if they don't land on something, um, you know, I do think that there's an understanding that that is, you know, that has to be a priority that we're going to be swimming in seven, you know, seven and 10, eight and nine, nine and eight records at best without, you know, finding the answer there. And, you know, I remember when you used to advocate for this, you know, way back in the day, it's like, you keep going for it until you find one. Like you don't stop. Like remember the Eagles that one year in the off season with yeah. Wentz and, you know, and, and, and all the d- different quarterbacks they, they, that they had at the time, Bradford, et cetera. I mean, they have to be in that mode and maybe in this organization as much as any other, because, you know, they, they just, they have so much to overcome, it seems like, to begin with. 
Not to do the Doc Walker thing of, you know, Kevin's big board, but you watch a lot of college football. <laughs> do, do, you, do you like any of these quarterbacks in the 2022 draft? Do you have a guy or guys who you like? I don't know. You know, every every year we, we do this, you know, you end up liking somebody and then you're like, oh, my God, he's awful. Um, like after you see two games or like for me, I, I did not. I was dead set against Dwayne Haskins being drafted. And then that first year, I'm like, well, maybe there is something here to him. Let's see more. Um, I should have just stuck with my initial thought. I like Kenny Pickett. I like watching him. He's got, you know, he's got the quick release. He's got the size. He's got the arm strength. He's got the mobility and the, you know, the, the, the extend the play ability. But, you know, what we don't know is the things that our good friend Chris Cooley used to tell us about. It's like most of what you're going to learn about these guys, you know, uh, it, it's in a sit down, you know, interview. You're going to find out if they love football. You're going to find out if they're serious about football. You're going to find out if they're mature. You're going to find out what kind of leader, what kind of teammate they're going to be. And that's the stuff we don't have any idea about. You know, like Dwayne was obviously very immature, you know, and maybe we should have known that draft night when he was charging 40 bucks a head to get into the bowling alley in Gaithersburg <laughs> to watch it with him. But th those are the things we don't know. I don't know anything about Kenny Pickett. You know, Matt Corral, I, I think, is an exciting player. But to me, he's like a guy that constantly puts himself in harm's way. He gets hurt all the time at the college level, you know, in a very college system and Lane Kiffin system but Pickett to me looks like a pro quarterback the way he throws it the way he moves around but we don't know anything about him I, I didn't see enough of Malik Willis I didn't see enough of Carson Strong I didn't see enough of the kid from Western Kentucky um, but uh, but yeah I mean Pickett's the guy that looks like an NFL quarterback but we don't know about him personally what if Washington doesn't love any of the quarterbacks in the draft and can't trade for an obvious franchise quarterback. Like it's one thing for all of us to say, you got to get a franchise quarterback this offseason. It's obviously easier said than done. Should Washington just take a quarterback to take a quarterback in the draft? Or do you still have to say, hey, if you don't love the guy, don't take the guy? I mean, you can't just take a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback if you don't think the quarterback's any good. You know, this is what they get paid to do. They get paid to evaluate, evaluate these players and put together a board. And if they put together a board and like, the, you know, there's one quarterback um, that they like, but they've got like a second round grade on them. Well, the, you know, are they really going to reach? What if they, to your point, what if they don't like any of them? You know, um, I don't know, because there's no guarantee that a free agent will sign here. There's no guarantee that you can trade for anybody. Now, I do think that that second or third tier of quarterbacks, whether you have to trade for them or, you know, free agency, I know that they liked Trubisky in the in the offseason last year to a certain degree. You know, there were the reports that they were interested in him before the trade deadline this year. I'm not a big Trubisky fan, but I think he would be an upgrade over what they have. Um, so 
I think they'll get somebody out. I mean, just like last year, they ended up getting somebody. It's not the long-term answer. And maybe this year that somebody will be more of a long-term answer because he'll be 28 years old, not 38 years old. Um, But they'll get somebody, I think, if they don't draft somebody. But to your point, and I know we've talked about this before, somebody that they get, doesn't especially if it is a drafted quarterback doesn't mean that a Taylor Heineke might not be the starting quarterback opening day next year especially if it is a drafted player or if it's you know a second or third tier free agent a Tyrod Taylor a Jameis well I I wouldn't call Jameis Winston a third tier um, free agent but you know somebody like Ty Taylor or somebody like that that comes in and now it's a competition But, you know, remember this, with the new name and the new restart of the organization, this is a big splash offseason, it feels like, for the Snyders, you know, especially given how little uh, anybody responded to the team, you know, going to games, watching games on TV. They've got a whole new brand restart. They've got a They've got to make a big splash in this offseason with a with a with a quarterback name that people believe in, or where the the whole new name you know unveiling is going to sort of fall flat. We're talking Washington football team with Kevin Sheehan. So we have the quarterback thing, which is by far the biggest thing from a football standpoint, anyway, of Washington's offseason. But we also have other things, and maybe the biggest other thing is the defense, which overall was a big disappointment this season. Do you think that some kind of a shakeup, either with the roster or the coaching staff, is needed for the defense? Or do you think that staying the course is the best course with the defense? It's funny because one of the things I'm going to talk about on the show tomorrow is just the availability of Vic Fangio and Mike Zimmer, yeah. two of the best defensive minds in football. Now, if they had you know, Joe Barry or Greg Minuski, I'd be screaming, go get Vic Fangio right now and pay him whatever he needs to get paid because he is one of the most respected defensive minds the NFL's had in the last decade plus. But Jack Del Rio is really respected. And I don't have a clue as to what that relationship is, but I think the players like him. Um, I think there might be some position coaches that are a problem on defense, but I don't think Del Rio's the problem. Do you? No, I don't. But I felt with the defense going back to the two and six star, there was something that was off. And definitely. Yeah. And so we know by now, Ron Rivera felt that Chase Young and Montez Sweat weren't adhering to the defensive scheme. Then you get something like the fight between Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. And I know that those things happen, but. It just felt like there was more to the defensive struggles this season than just like your basic defensive problems. And so if Jack was a root cause of those internal issues, then I would say he's got to go. But to your point, we don't have any evidence that he was. There's stuff that we don't know. And whatever was the cause of this sort of bizarre, disappointing, lackluster season, I think that has to be addressed. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I, I think I think we're gonna find out maybe over the next month that there might be some position coach changes. That would be my guess. Yeah. I would not bet the, on on Del Rio or Scott Turner moving on. But again, I don't know. I mean, I, I, 
Del Rio is respected around the league. There's nobody that would tell you that Jack Del Rio isn't a, isn't a solid coach and a good defensive mind and defensive coordinator. And, you know, Tommy, you know, on my podcast a month ago, you know, came out and said, you know, I've talked to people that say Jack Del Rio's influence just on coaching this team is significant, is sort of a right hand to Ron. You know, and, and I asked Ron today just about, um, you know, sort of uh, – balancing both, you know, being the head of football operations, the lead voice in all of the football operations and being the head coach. And has, is he a different head coach, you know, two years into this coach centric model? And he admitted, he said, you know, I probably delegate a lot more than I used to, you know, at Carolina. Um, and I think that that's, I think he relies on Jack. Well, Tommy has a saying, and I'm sure you've heard him say this, when things appear to be bad, they're almost always much worse. <laughs> right. So I think about with this Washington defense, from the outside looking in, it has felt like things are bad in some way that we can't specify. And so I just have wondered for a while now, are things worse? Like, is there going to be some expose in the Washington Post in another week or two detailing all of these behind-the-scenes problems with the defense this season? I guess we'll see. Well, there's going to be an expose in the Washington Post, I'm sure, about something <laughs> with this organization sometime soon. That seems like the easiest bet of the offseason. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I know that you're a big Teron Payne fan. Uh, he's under contract for next season via the fifth-year yeah. option in his rookie contract. This offseason would seem to be the point at which you sign him to a contract extension, as Washington did last offseason with Jonathan Allen, uh, if, in fact, you want to keep Payne and pay him. What do you think Washington should do with Payne? Is he worthy of a big money contract extension? Uh, I think if they end up acquiring a quarterback via trade, that he is a piece. I don't know if you heard the interview that Ron did with J.P. Finley um, yesterday. In fact, I think it was yesterday or the day before. There were two things that Ron said, one of which was, you know, essentially he laughed about, you know, uh, J.P. said, you're in the market for, you know, well, so what are you going to do? Uh, so do you need a quarterback? He said, that's the understatement of the offseason, I guess, you know, and, and laughed about it. And then he said something that I thought was kind of interesting. He talked about, you know, the potential for a trade and including picks and players. Well, last year, they were only willing to part with picks in the Stafford offer. And he said multiple times that it was going to be too expensive because they didn't want to give up players to move up in the draft if they were going to move up in the draft to say to, to perhaps take somebody like Justin Fields. So I think it's interesting that he said that they feel like they have the roster and they have the depth that maybe that they could include a player in a deal. And to me, Deron Payne could be a guy that a team is really interested in. You know, whether it's like, I mean, if the Raiders want to part with Derek Carr, which by the way would be a red flag to me if they did because who are they going to replace him with? Um, but, you know, a pick and a player, and maybe Payne becomes that player because he's going to be costly to sign to a long-term deal. Yeah, and he's good, but he's not great. And I don't know that he's worthy of a big-money contract. I also feel like with that defensive line, you know, the hole is not as high as the sum of the parts. Like, there's something off with that line that it's only had the one good season, which was last season, and we all know that Washington benefited from facing a bunch of bad quarterbacks that season. To me, Washington is overinvested in this defensive line, so I think it would make sense 
to diversify the resources at this point? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I mean, it was a major step back season. Yeah. And even though the injuries to Sweat and Young came, you know, with still half the season left, the bottom line is they didn't play well um, before they got hurt. And Ron, again, mentioned maturity. You know, I said, what was the, what happened with the defense this year? And he once again went to the line that we heard all year, which is maturity and discipline. And I said, well, do you think you have guys that will learn from it and it'll come back differently? And he said, well, we're going to find out, you know, in this off season. And I think part of that too, is that, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of this has been pointed right at number 99. Yeah. I mean, I really do all along. I don't think he's the only one, but I think he's the major one. And I think it started last spring when he was the only player out of 90 and he was a team captain not to post for one of these OTA days when, you know, building something, which Ron's trying to do, you know, it was important. Um, I bet he shows up for OTAs this year. I hope so. He didn't sound like he was gung-ho about it on Monday, though. So, right. Yeah, he did not sound gung-ho. Uh, the name. I know that you're not that into the name, and I don't blame you, but I do want to ask you about the name Saga. Why the Today Show? Like, why is Washington announcing the name on the Today Show? I have my ideas, but I'm interested in yours. Like, what is this about with the Today Show? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, I haven't given it that much thought because I really don't care. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten to that point. I mean, you know me. We're, we're kind of the same person when it comes to how much we were into this team, and I just don't feel it like I used to at all. I mean, the, the, the last two decades have, been, have, have worn me out to a certain degree as well. But, you know, the Today Show, well, first of all, all of their PR people – um, it's a whole new PR group, uh, you know, uh, and they're all New York people, which is why, by the way, you see, you know, the relationship with the journal and, you know, with the times they're trying to steer them clear from the post. Cause obviously the, the team hates the post, you know, the today show, like, is it going to be a news announcement in there? I don't watch the today show I'm on the air, but I know that, that you know, from 7am to 9am, it's more of a news show. And then it becomes sort of a fluff show primarily targeted to you know women and you know people who are working from home i guess um and i don't know is it going to be a part of that i mean how do you as how do you as nbc news have tanya and jason wright i don't know who it's going to be i'm just guessing and you don't ask them about the latest on the emails right. or the or the congressional inquiry or anything having to do with all the, the sexual harassment stuff. I don't know. I don't know why they picked um, the Today Show. I will tell you this. Think about this. It, that audience is part of kind of an overall audience that most wanted the name gone. Right. So maybe it's like, look at how, you know, look at how much we've progressed here over the last couple of years as if it weren't forced. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. No, I think that last point makes a lot of sense. I think the New York thing makes a lot of sense. It's just funny because obviously the Today Show is not a sports show. And my understanding of the demographics of the Today Show is, you know, it's a lot of like soccer moms watching. Like, what do they care about the Washington football team's new name? 
Right. Well, I mean, this also is part and parcel of the way they've handled any of their big announcements over the years or any of their big leaks because they leaked like a sieve for so long. (laughs) And it was always typically more often than not outside the market, you know, and, you know, it's funny because that happens and then they they bitch and complain about how tough the media is on them, which it isn't, you know, but they don't do anything to help their media partners typically. Although I should say that they've got a pretty good relationship with the NBC sports, Washington people, I guess they do. Yeah. I just laughed when I saw the today show thing. Cause I was like, I'm sure doing some big announcement with the flagship radio station never even crossed the team's never. mind. Never. Yeah. Never. And like most teams would have at least considered that. And with this team, it's like, no, let's go to the Today Show and do it on that show. So I just, <laughs> right. I got a kick yeah. out of that. But anyway, man, it's great to have you on. I uh, appreciate you coming on so much. The Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980. All the best, man. Thanks. Oh, always my pleasure, Al. Let's do it again on mine soon. All right, good to catch up with Kevin Sheehan. Let's talk some Georgetown basketball. Uh, The Hoyas are not having a very good season, and that theme continued on Thursday night. Georgetown fell to 6-7 overall, 0-2 in the Big East, a 72-58 loss to Butler at Capital One Arena. Hoyas trailed by five points at the half at 32-27 that allowed Butler to begin the second half on a 21-6 run for a 20-point deficit at 53 33. Now, things are hard enough for Georgetown, which isn't very good. Things were even harder on Thursday night as the Hoyas were missing a number of people, including the head coach. Uh, Patrick Ewing was out, as was announced by Georgetown, quote, in accordance with D.C. Department of Health guidelines, end quote. So presumably, this is COVID-19 related. I hope that Patrick's okay. You may remember this. Patrick, in May 2020, was hospitalized with COVID-19. Not sure if he has COVID again or came in contact with someone with COVID, but we certainly hope that Patrick Ewing is all right. Uh, Assistant coach Louis Orr served as the Hoyas acting head coach, but it wasn't just Patrick Ewing who was out for Georgetown on Thursday night. Donald Carey did not play for a second consecutive game due to illness. The point guard Dante Harris did not play due to illness. Another player, Kobe Clark, was unavailable due to illness, although he has played in just two games this season. Also, Georgetown remains without freshman Jordan Riley due to a shoulder injury. Uh, Georgetown on December 15th announced that Riley was out indefinitely due to a shoulder injury. Riley was the 2020-2021 Gatorade New York Boys Basketball Player of the Year. Now, the Hoyas on Thursday night did get back a player, got back the seven-foot Nigerian Timothy Igoefe. Uh, he had not played since suffering a broken hand in the 91-83 win over Longwood at Capital One Arena on November 30th. Igoefe on Thursday night in just 16 minutes as a starter, four points on two of five shooting all twos, nine rebounds, including four offensive boards, did have no assists versus two turnovers. But the Hoyas shooting in the game overall was really bad. Uh, Georgetown went just three of 16 on threes just 17 of 43 on twos, and just 15 of 24 on free throws. Uh, the 6'5 five-star freshman Aminu Muhammad struggled. Oh, it went on threes, just 2 of 15 on twos, just 3 of 7 on free throws in 35 minutes 
as a starter. Caden Rice, the graduate transfer from the Citadel. As I've said with him, when he's on, he can be great. When he's off, it's not pretty. Caden uh, Rice was off on Thursday night. Just one of eight on threes, 0-1 on twos in 35 minutes as a starter. With Dante Harris out, the Hoyas point guard was freshman Tyler Beard. Uh, he did what he could, but you know the overall production wasn't great. Just one of four on threes, just three of seven on twos, six of seven on free throws. He finished with a team-high 15 points, five assists versus four turnovers and four rebounds in 39 minutes as a starter. Hoyas did hold Butler to nine of 31 on threes, but Georgetown's defense wasn't good enough to overcome the bad shooting and the absences. Next up for Georgetown at St. John's, Sunday afternoon at 4.30. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 230, will feature reaction to and observations from whatever happens over the first five games of the NFL's Super Wild Card Weekend. Remember, it's not just Wild Card Weekend, it is Super Wild Card Weekend. Remember, we have a game on Monday night, so five of the six games of Wild Card Weekend taking place over Saturday and Sunday. And what I'm going to do on the podcast is talk about the games from a Washington football team perspective. This podcast is a Washington, D.C. sports podcast. What we care about on this pod are the teams of the DMV. And so when it comes to the NFL playoffs, what I'll be doing over the next few weeks is examining the games through a Washington football team prism. What should we as Washington fans take away from these games? What stands out to us about these games regarding our team? What can we learn from these games that we can apply to our team? There are plenty of former Washington players in the playoffs. Trust me, we're going to have a lot to discuss. Also, on Monday's show, I'll recap the rest of our D.C. Sports Weekend. Two games for the Capitals this weekend. They'll be at the New York Islanders Saturday afternoon at 2 and then home to the Vancouver Canucks Sunday afternoon at 2. The Wizards will host the Portland Trailblazers Saturday night at 7. And we have lots of college basketball this weekend. Maryland will host Rutgers Saturday afternoon at 2. Georgetown will be at St. John's Sunday afternoon at 4.30. Virginia will host Wake Forest Saturday afternoon at 4.30. And Virginia Tech will host Notre Dame Saturday evening at 6. Have a great weekend. And I'll talk to you on Monday. Waka, waka, waka. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.